Hi everyone and welcome to episode 18 of Infraction, our true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. And today's case came to my attention in the most bizarre way. So Sal, I was like sat speaking to Matt's mum about some of our cases and she randomly said to me like, oh, when I worked at the hospital in Scarborough, our receptionist shot and killed someone and got sent away for it. And she was like, this woman was so quiet, so unassuming. We were all totally shocked that she'd killed someone. So, of course, I started looking into it because, I mean, how many people do you know that shot someone? Um, And I kind of looked into it just out of interest, really. And what I came across was some evidence that suggested that maybe this receptionist from Scarborough didn't just wake up one day and shoot someone in the back of the head at point blank range and that maybe she was innocent. And that's kind of what we're going to discuss in today's episode. The lady at the centre of today's case is Yvonne Slateholm, and this case starts in the winter of 1988. Yvonne Slateholm, by her own admission, led a very normal, quiet and uneventful life. Yvonne grew up in Staxton, a village in Rydale in North Yorkshire. As we heard earlier, she worked as a receptionist at a hospital in Seymour in Scarborough, and during the time this case started, she was 36 years old. Yvonne had been engaged to a man named William Smith, Most reports say that she was very smitten slash maybe a little bit obsessed with William and had pushed for the two to move in with each other and had pushed for them to get engaged. William reportedly wasn't as thrilled with the prospects of marrying Yvonne and his eyes started to wander. It's been reported that William was out one day and bumped into one of his ex-girlfriends. Her name was Jane. Jane reportedly told William that, had they not bumped into each other by chance that day, that she would have tried to track him down because she had never stopped thinking about him or forgotten him. Love struck by this apparent act of fate, William broke off his engagement with Yvonne and started up a relationship with Jane once again, despite the fact that Yvonne had already booked their wedding reception and, according to a report in The Guardian, had already bought her wedding dress. Within a few months, Jane and William were married and they lived together on William's farm in the village of Salton, which is also in Rydale in North Yorkshire, the home that Yvonne and William had been living in just the year before. Jane and William's marriage unfortunately did not last long, as seven months after their nuptials, Jane was murdered. On a cold, dark winter's night on December 13th, 1988, at that farm that the couple lived on, Jane Smith was shot at point-blank range in the back of her head, Her body was not hidden and no attempts had been made to conceal it. William found his wife's lifeless body dressed in muddy torn clothes a short while later and he immediately called the police. The police launched an investigation and William was quick to tell them that his ex-fiancée Yvonne really had it out for him and Jane. Yvonne was quickly arrested and then shortly after this she was charged with the murder of Jane Smith. A few weeks after Yvonne's arrest, she noticed that her sight had started to blur a little bit. Over the course of the next few days, her vision got even worse, and then, one day, she realised that she had gone totally blind in one eye. This pattern followed with her other eye, and before Yvonne's case went to trial, she had become totally blind. Yvonne Slatehome suffered with a conversion disorder, which, at that time that this happened to her, was called hysterical blindness. This is a mental disorder or kind of like a mental protection where your body either suffers temporary paralysis or another neurological issue or, as was the case here, loss of vision in order to protect that individual against a large amount of trauma or stress. 
There is no medical explanation for why it happens. So in Yvonne's case, there was no medical reason for why she was no longer able to see. Her eyes should have been functioning as normal. But due to the stress of the situation she was in, she had completely lost her sight. Did you learn anything about that at uni? No. I think, I feel like, well, the only comparative thing, I suppose, is like when people like lose significant chunks of like memory, etc. Mm-hmm. So Yvonne was blind during her trial, and in fact, over 30 years later, she has still never recovered her eyesight. Blimey. At her trial in May 1991, the prosecution painted a picture of Yvonne being a scorned ex who couldn't live with the fact that Jane Smith had gotten her dream of being William's wife. They said that she drove out to the farm and lay in wait for Jane on a day when Yvonne supposedly knew that William would be out at a rugby event. The prosecution said that Yvonne knocked on the door to the farmhouse and that Jane opened it to see Yvonne stood there with a shotgun pointed at her. They said that Yvonne then marched Jane out to the farm and shot her at point-blank range in the back of her head. Jane's body was found wearing ripped clothing and her underwear was missing. The prosecution said that Yvonne had mimicked a rape or sexual assault scene and had meticulously ripped at Jane's blouse, pulled off her bra and then had scratched at her breasts. They said that Yvonne had then removed Jane's underwear. Jane's underwear was never found at the crime scene, and as far as I can tell, it was not found in Yvonne's possession either. The sticking point for the prosecution was that Jane's wedding ring had also been forcibly removed from her finger. This played very nicely into their scorned ex theory, and they suggested that Yvonne might have gotten away with the murder had she not taken the ring. Their theory was that the removal of the ring was personal and that Yvonne just couldn't help herself but to take it. It's probably a convenient time to note that this wedding ring was also never found in Yvonne's possession either. So there was one other thing that I read as to Yvonne's character, and I'm not sure if this came up at her trial, and I must say I've only read it in one place, so it might not even be true. But it's probably important to mention, um, because if it is true, then it certainly does add a negative layer to her character. So I read that when Yvonne and William were together, the pair had had a disagreement about their relationship and that Yvonne had moved out of the farmhouse for a month. She then reportedly moved back in after telling William that the stress of their relationship breakdown had caused her to get leukaemia, which, as I'm sure all of you know, is a form of blood cancer. This report states that after moving back in, she never had any symptoms or mentioned the cancer again. My opinion on this is that this probably isn't true because as far as I can tell, this information has come from William and told to like a rogue reporter um, because that particular report that I read this in completely slates Yvonne and is the only place I've seen it written. But I mean, I thought I would put it out there just in case, obviously, if it is true, it does show kind of like a deceptive and manipulative part of her character. Mm. So back to the trial, Yvonne's version of events was different to the one that the prosecution had painted. Although this next story that Yvonne painted was different to the one she originally told police, because she had previously tried to alibi herself as being miles away from the farm on the night of the murder, but the police realised this alibi was a lie. So at the trial, Yvonne said that, on the night of Jane's murder, she had been in the village, but that she had been lured there. She said that she had continued to stay in contact with William, and that the two had arranged to meet in Pickering. That night, William had changed his mind and asked Yvonne to instead come to his house where he lived on the farm. Yvonne said that she met up with William. Some reports say this rendezvous happened at his home on the farm, and others say that it was just a meeting point. But either way, 
Yvonne said that when she met William, he acted very cold towards her and that strangely there were three other men with him. Yvonne said that she then lost consciousness and when she came to, she was threatened with harm and that the men said they would kill her family if she told the police what had happened. This potentially could support why she'd originally lied to the police and said she wasn't in the village on that night, but I mean it is a fairly weak argument to make. It's also really unclear what happened after Yvonne came to after she supposedly was knocked unconscious. The theory that she gave the court was that these three men who had been with William had been hitmen and William had hired them to kill Jane and set Yvonne up for the crime. At the crime scene, tyre marks in the mud matched the type of tyre that was on Yvonne's car, although obviously if she'd been there to meet William, that could explain that. There were also bloodstains that were found in Yvonne's car, namely one stain that was a bloody handprint. This bloodstain reportedly matched Jane Smith, although later investigation from two advocates of Yvonne's, uh, their names are David Hamilton and Margaret Leonard, revealed that the handprint in the blood was far too big for it to have been Yvonne's. This bloodstain also was only matched to Jane Smith through a match on the blood type, not a match on DNA. However, Jane Smith belonged to a rare blood group and reportedly one in every 250 people had her blood type, so that of course is more damning. Strangely, however, there were no blood stains or even a droplet of blood on Yvonne's clothing. I think we have to consider that it does seem slightly bizarre that she supposedly had enough blood on her hand to be able to leave a big fat handprint, but that none of that blood, not even one tiny droplet, fell onto her clothing. Particularly if she shot them at point blank range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, exactly. And kind of leading to that, um, it's kind of largely possible that it was Yvonne's father's shotgun that had been used to kill Jane Smith. This shotgun had reportedly been stolen a few days before the murder, but then mysteriously turned up a day or so after Jane's death. This obviously does sound very suspicious and it does lead, you know, it leads me especially to believe that maybe she had used her father's shotgun to kill Jane. However, the forensic pathologist who examined Jane Smith's bullet wound said that he thought that her murder might have been a professional hit. He said that the way the bullet had cleanly gone through the back of her head, through her brain and out the front of her brain was essentially, for want of a better phrase, a clean kill. He said it would have been very unlikely that someone who had never shot someone before would be able to shoot someone at point-blank range so cleanly. I think also we may need to consider the point that if you reported a weapon stolen and then used that weapon to kill someone, would you just miraculously discover it again after that person had been killed? I think you're probably more likely to dump it, surely, and get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't... Well, and I also don't think you'd... Well, maybe you would report it as stolen to make it seem like someone else had taken it but yeah the whole thing doesn't sound very cleverly thought out but then I suppose you could argue that um she's not a professional murderer and therefore she might make some quite clumsy mistakes Mm -hmm. yeah definitely okay so I'm just going to recap because um there's obviously quite a lot to think about here yeah it's quite messy so there's two versions of events In one of the versions, Yvonne turns up at the farmhouse completely unannounced and bizarrely takes, which I think this is a bit of a strange detail, takes Jane outside to then shoot her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I find that a little bit strange in itself, why the need to move her somewhere to shoot her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the other version of events, uh, Yvonne goes into town to supposedly meet William or possibly to their house um, and is met by three men who knock her unconscious 
and then she wakes up in which time obviously Jane's been murdered and there's some evidence that Yvonne's at the crime scene so I suppose what she's implying is that after they knocked her unconscious they stole her car drove it to the property unless it had already been there in order to get the tire marks Mm. um did little details such as removing the wedding ring to make it look like this was Yvonne's work um and then framed like the bloody handprint etc so I kind of think my first thoughts are yeah there's some slightly strange details so I think if she was to do this at all in any instance, she was silly to drive there and leave Prince there. Mm-hmm. But as we just mentioned, she's not a professional murderer. It is quite likely that she would make silly mistakes such as that. Um, the handprint definitely, I agree, is weird that she wouldn't have had any blood on her clothing. But I guess my question is that if there was no witnesses at all, how do they know it was the same clothing that she killed in? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. But I suppose she still would have had to drive home unless she disposed of the clothes there. Mm-hmm. And if she'd have driven home, there would be some kind of contact points in maybe the front seat or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, I mean, yeah, they arrested her pretty shortly after Jane was murdered um, because William found her body very shortly after she was murdered. But yeah, there's nothing to say that she didn't change her clothes and dump the clothes or whatever. Um, but weird that she, you know, I think... Yeah, would she dump the clothes and not also dump the shotgun? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And then one of the other things I find strange is that if you assume the men did it, fair enough, remove the wedding ring to implicate Yvonne, but why would they remove her underpants and bra? I mean, yeah, there's... I don't know. And I couldn't find anywhere to say that she... If she was actually sexually assaulted, everywhere just said that um, there was a the scene was mimicked to look like a sexual assault had taken place. But that's obviously come from the prosecution's argument. So that's where all the reports and stuff have got that information from. Um, But yeah, there was no evidence anywhere to say if she was actually sexually assaulted or not. But I mean, I presume she wasn't, hence why they said that the scene was mimicked. Yeah, absolutely. So I think my thoughts at this stage, to be honest, is that both of these stories are absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, from the sounds of things, this is a sleepy northern town. Yeah. And I can't really understand William's motive. I mean, we talk about it a lot, don't we? That in a lot of these cases, it seems a very extreme thing to do. I mean, let's say he's not particularly happy with Jane anymore. Yvonne's a pain in his ass, Murdering one and framing the other for it still seems like a very extreme response to that situation. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I just find it very bizarre that he would go to such extreme lengths of hiring three hitmen to yeah. to do the entire process. Um, but on the flip side, it seems very strange that Yvonne would go so far as to murder Jane um, and do such a poor job of it and then also make up such a ridiculous, in my mind, yeah. cover story. Like, let's assume she did do it. Her story about three men coming and knocking her out and then committing this whole crime while she was unconscious... And then, I don't know, yeah, coming back to wake her up in all in perfect timing mm. also seems a ridiculous cover story to the point where you sort of think... No one well, would, would make that Would you make up. that a cover story? Yeah. She'd be so much better off just to pretend that she'd gone round there that evening, you know, and when she'd left, everything had been fine. So in some ways, both of these stories <laughs> are kind of almost completely unbelievable. But I suppose the truth's got to be in there somewhere so i guess i'm kind of curious to hear what the jury's take on it all was Mm, okay so the jury 
on the kind of circumstantial evidence that we've talked about, found her guilty with a 10 to 2 majority verdict and she was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 10 years. Oh. So I find this difficult because I absolutely agree with you that both stories sound absolutely absurd. I'm kind of more on the fence of, well, you know, her her story is totally excessive. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you said, three men. Who needs three hitmen to kill one person? And there's so many details in it I just think are so excessive that that's what makes me think that maybe there is a little bit of truth in there. But I understand also that, you know, maybe she is just like dramatically making up this entire story. I find it hard that the cases that we've looked at, the jury, like juries are just so sporadic. Do you know what I mean? You think of like the literally irrefutable DNA evidence with Billy Dunlop that we spoke about in uh, the last case that we did with Julie and how the jury like acquitted him. And then you look at this evidence and kind of actually maybe like the evidence that we spoke about with regards to Michael Stone as well and the Chillington murders, you know, Juries are, in these situations, just convicting based on, like, a fanciful story, like, concocted by the prosecution. Well, but I think a lot of the time that does really... It works, doesn't it? If yeah, story, completely. If the prosecution can paint a story that all makes sense. And like we've said as well, I think it plays to the human emotion and actually their desire to put away bad people and feel like they've, you know, made the world a better place by locking up a murderer. Mm-hmm. So... I completely agree with you here. I don't think there's enough evidence here to go beyond reasonable doubt. But actually, maybe if you're a juror and you're sat there hearing all these shocking details and you're not maybe able to sort of sit back and reflect, mm-hmm. then actually maybe you think, God, this does sound like an awful person. I need to do the right thing and, and put them away for life. But it's very strange. I mean, something that I've just been mulling just now was if William wanted them both out of the way why didn't he just murder them both? But I suppose the value of keeping Yvonne alive and is that you can frame the whole thing on her so that he walks away scot-free. But I am curious if anyone ever investigated his role more in this. I mean, presumably not because he wasn't prosecuted, but it does seem a little bit like he might have a bit more to do with this than anyone's letting on. Uh, yeah, so he wasn't really investigated at all. Oh, no one was. There was no other avenue um obviously her story about the three hitmen or whatever that was never investigated despite the pathologist report that did actually say that um that this what looked to be the work of a professional kill um so they never investigated kind of her story but they also didn't investigate anyone else either you know anyone totally far removed from even Yvonne or William they didn't look into anyone else at all um yeah say a completely random maybe you know, indeed sexually motivated murder. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for argument's sake, Yvonne had been there that day, panicked, which is why she made up her ridiculous story. Yeah. Um, when really, yeah, like you say, it could have been someone completely separate from this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, no, the police didn't investigate any other avenue. Like the timeline between Jane being murdered, Yvonne being arrested, and then Yvonne being charged was like about a day or two. So... You know, they didn't They didn't even have time to look at anyone else before they charged her. They absolutely thought that they were banged to rights with this one. Yeah, that's very strange, isn't it? But I suppose a lot of the time in cases, it is always the, the obvious person. It's the scorned ex-wife, etc. And I guess there was some evidence there, which 
was quite hard to refute. I'm not saying it's particularly strong evidence, but like you say, you've got the handprint, the tire marks, etc. Yeah. So maybe for the police, actually, in their experience, this is a cut and dry case. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned earlier, Yvonne has never regained her eyesight. Yvonne said in an interview with Mike Laycock at the York Press that prisons are not equipped to deal with anyone who has a physical disability, and this made her time behind bars very difficult. She said that over the years, many people have doubted her blindness, and this is something that definitely came up in my research. Lots of people suggest that she has faked her loss of vision. She said that in prison, other inmates beat her up and threw things at her to see if she would react or duck. She says that now she can see whether it's light or dark out of her left eye, but that's it. She is still almost completely blind. I can understand why people think she's making it up. Of course, to those who think that she's guilty, they think that this was all kind of very conveniently timed. And I do understand this. I just think it needs to be considered whether this is something someone could continue to fake for over 30 years. Like, it would be bloody hard to not naturally flinch or react if someone hit you or threw something at you. And even, like, not looking at someone's eyes, you know, when they spoke to you or not acknowledging someone who walked past you or towards you, it does seem like quite an exhausting lie to maintain. Well, and also, I just personally don't believe um, it's possible. I don't think you can override, like, a nervous system automatic Mm -hmm. response. I mean, there's no real conscious thought when you flinch um, to duck and things. Um, and also, I was actually just having a very quick look, and there is some evidence that continued high levels of cortisol, which is what's released when you're stressed, um, can actually uh, damage the optic nerves and interfere with vision. Yeah. Um, but I would have thought that would be able to be identified via physical examination. And likewise, if it was just, you know, a stress-related um then I would have thought maybe some sort of therapy would, in theory, maybe be able to recover some of Mm -hmm. her vision. But I suppose being in prison, she's not going to have access to the kind of doctors, etc., who may be really trying to pursue this in the same way you would be if you were outside of um, able to kind of be referred from specialist to specialist, etc. So I probably do believe, I think, that she's lost her vision. And I guess the question just is why. Yeah, like I guess the question is obviously it's, it's, it is related to the trauma that she suffered and is that trauma because she murdered someone or is that trauma because she's been falsely accused of murdering someone? Yeah, absolutely. In Oh, wait, I've got a question. Yeah. So how did William lure her into meeting? So a lot of reports say that they were kind of continuing an affair. So even though he was now married to Jane, he had kind of done the reverse situation and was now cheating on Jane with Yvonne rather than cheating on Yvonne with Jane. So that kind of also played into the prosecution's story because it made Yvonne look like kind of like a life ruiner and like a marriage ruiner and that kind of thing. But he must have messaged her or called her or something. Uh, Yeah, I think that he called her. And there was evidence of that, but William never said that he never denied that they were continuing an affair. Right, okay, I see. Um. So yeah, Yvonne Slatehome has always protested her innocence and has never swayed from her original story to the police that she had been at the farm, but that William had hired men to kill his wife and set her up for it. In prison, Yvonne said that she had been speaking to other inmates who also claimed they had been wrongfully convicted. This included Stephen Downing. And Stephen Downing, uh, for those of you who don't know, was convicted, I think, when he was like 17 years old or thereabouts. Um, He was very young. I think he was 17. And he was convicted of murdering a 30-year-old woman. And he spent 27 years in prison. And then his conviction was quashed. 
And I think this case is thought to be one of the longest and kind of worst miscarriages of justice in British legal history. From what I've read, some people do put Yvonne Slate home in the same category as Stephen Downing, as someone who has been wrongfully convicted. Yvonne actually ended up spending longer in prison than the judge's recommendation of 10 years because she would never admit her guilt. Her attempts to apply for parole were blocked, despite Yvonne having spent more than the recommended term of 10 years behind bars and having an exemplary prison record. In order to apply for parole, she had to partake in certain rehabilitation courses. She was only allowed to partake in those courses if she admitted her guilt, and this was something that she said she would never do. In her own words to Mike Laycock at the York Press, Yvonne said, I didn't do it, and nothing, not even the chance of freedom, will make me lie and say I did it. I value the truth more than anything. I can understand if people don't believe me. After all, I was convicted by a jury. All I can say is, I know what happened that night and I was not responsible for that terrible murder. I think it's awful, actually, though, that her being released is based at all on her admitting guilt because, Mm -hmm. really, she served her time, the recommended sentence, and I'm not particularly Mm -hmm. sure what they think will change from her admitting she does do it. I just think that isn't what prison is about is there to protect is there to reform maybe but if she's been a good prisoner etc then i don't mm. think this should be like a clause for her release particularly i mean does it really make people feel better if you know someone who's supposedly killed a thousand people admits to it yes but would you let them out based on them admitting to it no i know it is weird i can't tell if it's maybe just like a they see her admitting guilt as like a level of maybe showing remorse but it does seem weird doesn't it because Basically, what they're saying is, we'll happily release you if you admit that you're a murderer, but we're not going to release you because you've sworn you haven't killed anyone. Exactly. And it's it's a coerced thing anyway. If she does admit it now, how, how do you know she's not just admit, admitting it because there's this big bloody bribe to do so? It just seems a very strange mm-hmm. thing to go on, really. Well, that's what's very striking to me, though, because I can absolutely understand why somebody who's guilty would maintain their innocence at a trial and then probably maybe, you know, even continue to say that they're innocent whilst they go through the appeals process and some, and stuff like that. And, you know, actually, I can partly understand why someone might then continue to maintain their innocence after the fact, just in case something was to change or another random appeal happened or something. Mm. But if you are told that you will literally be able to walk out those doors and have your time served if you just admit your guilt, I can't. I just would really imagine that most guilty people at that point would finally confess or actually, to be honest, even like an innocent person might even confess to that. Do you know what I mean? I just think at that point you would say, all right, like the gig's up, I did it. Now kind of get me out of here. Yeah, agreed. This is kind of what makes me think that she was maybe more innocent than guilty. Um But a lot of roadblocks like this happened to Yvonne during her time in prison. Lots of things seemed to not end up going in her favour. She was set to be moved to an open prison, but her transfer was blocked because the board said that she needed to stay in a more secure prison for at least another two years in order to undertake an anger management rehab course. They enforced this block on her transfer for that reason, despite the fact that in her application to transfer prisons, it clearly stated that she had already undertaken said anger management course. What was her behaviour in prison like? Because this sounds as though, I mean, aside from the fact she's been accused of shooting someone, um, if she didn't show ongoing anger issues, then I can't imagine they Mm -hmm. would be wanting to invest money in enforcing her doing a course. So I think that, um, so her behaviour in prison was completely exemplary. Like she had no blemishes at all on her prison record. I wonder if the anger management course was something that was, um, that you had to do um, in order to be able to go to an open prison maybe, because obviously there's a lot less 
uh, kind of attention from officers and stuff in an open prison. So it might be yeah, that, makes sense. that they just wanted to make sure that she wasn't violent or whatever. Um, but I mean, either way, they went on to say that she couldn't be trusted in an open prison in case she regained her eyesight and then took the opportunity to reoffend or abscond, which is just bizarre because surely that's just saying that anyone who has like clear vision might reoffend. That's really what they're saying. It just seems really weird. Yeah. So I briefly mentioned earlier two people called Margaret Leonard and David Hamilton. These two individuals from London have no connection to Yvonne, but stumbled upon her case and they've been advocating for her ever since. They spent months working through the evidence in her case to attempt to prove that this was a miscarriage of justice. Are they lawyers? No. Oh, okay. In the early 2000s, they attempted to take her case to the European Court of Human Rights on the basis that Yvonne had not been given a fair trial and that the British courts had failed to carry out its obligations under Article 6, a right to a fair trial, and Article 13, a right to effective remedy. The ECHR, so that's the European Court of Human Rights, rejected their application and unfortunately, because of the way the law works, this rejection could not be appealed. Eventually, in 2005, when Yvonne was 53, she was released from prison on licence after approval from the parole board, having spent over 16 years in prison. She was released just before Christmas and spent the festive period with her family in North Yorkshire. Unfortunately, Yvonne's father had died just four months before she was released. She had actually been granted day release from prison to attend his funeral, but she declined to go because she didn't want people to be more interested in her and detract from their attention being on her father during his memorial. So lots of food for thought with this case, really, isn't there? Mm. What, where are you sitting? Mm. I don't know. I don't know if she's innocent or guilty. And I think a lot of things to me suggest that she's innocent. I think there's very little evidence that puts her as the killer, especially since she has never kind of denied being at the farm on that night, which does explain kind of her tire prints being there. Um, it does strike me as strange that nowhere seems to have reported more on the night of the murder. You know, I kind of want to know, like, if Yvonne was there when Jane was murdered or was she there after she was murdered or did she see it happen or, you know, things like that. I think that would go to answer a lot of questions. Um, I also think that it does seem that the police just investigated this one avenue. They kind of looked at Yvonne and saw her as like the scorned ex who had a motive to kill Jane and the prosecution obviously really played on that but I mean like who hasn't been through a bad breakup you know like does this mean that we all have a motive to murder because we have like a bad ex or something I mean she had no previous criminal record she was described by people who knew her as quiet and shy and it just seems strange to me that the police jumped right on her as the perpetrator and didn't look anywhere else um I also think that You know, the prosecution did do a good job at painting a story that the jury could buy into. Like an angry ex who's having an affair with William and, you know, wants the wife out the way. It's a motive that people can understand. So I fully understand why the jury kind of went with it. Um, I think, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier about her hysterical blindness. Um, I think the fact that she's never regained her eyesight and the fact that she refused to say that she was guilty, even though it meant that she'd be able to walk free from prison, to me, this does point to her being innocent. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know her. She could just well be a master manipulator in the blindness and the not confessing to the crime and everything. It could just be one big manipulation. So yeah, very, very much on the fence here. (laughs) What's your opinion? So, very tough one i think i'd probably lean slightly more towards her being guilty um and the reason i think that actually is because if instead of being a shy retiring female nurse she was a slightly shy awkward man 
we'd probably be viewing this whole thing differently. And I think it's easy to get Ooh. sucked into what we know about who she was before this. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe let us let that really cloud our judgment. Um, and I just think there's a lot of questions. I think her story is verging on the ridiculous, although mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a reason it can't be true. Um, I find little things strange, like if she was knocked unconscious, did nothing come up in a toxicology report? Did she have any sign of a head injury? Um, mm-hmm. There was no real witnesses to where she did or was or wasn't supposedly meeting William it just seems very strange this whole thing would have occurred without you know anyone seeing um I do find it quite convenient that she was sort of meant to be there anyway um so the evidence you know because there is evidence in this case and I think yes you can write it Mm -hmm. away with her story um but actually I think it's still important to focus on the fact there is evidence and yes it's not very strong but I do think things like could she have changed her clothes, etc.? Um, and to me, I think a lot of these the things here just have the hallmarks of a clumsy murder, to be honest. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that she might not have found the whole thing very stressful. I'm not particularly questioning the whole eyesight thing. I think she probably has lost her eyesight for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Because actually, I don't necessarily think she's a cold-blooded murderer. I think maybe she's a woman for whom her whole world was William. And she couldn't handle the, you know, it sounds like an incredibly stressful situation in itself, being in a love triangle with a man you love who sort of loves someone else, but is keeping, you know, and it doesn't sound like she possibly had a lot else in her life, maybe. So Mm -hmm. I do wonder if she, you know, wrapped up this crazy plan in which she got Jane out of the way and then her and William would be together and actually almost came to her senses afterwards and was faced with the reality of, actually now she's just a prime suspect in a murder um mm. and uh, yeah there is lots that does sound a bit strange like she doesn't sound as though it's a huge jump from being in a unpleasant love triangle to murdering someone but it is a jump that lots and lots of people have made lots of cases that <laughs> this is kind of like the foundation for the motive isn't it um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think maybe i am edging towards her being guilty but maybe only because i think so often it is the person that you think it's going to be you know it is the scorn it it is the horrible husband etc so yeah i probably am leaning towards guilty but i do think there's a there are those 100 percent niggling things such as how clean the kill was etc that do make you think and question how a jury convicted her beyond reasonable doubt i completely agree with you that it sounds like you know, we don't possibly know the ins and outs, but it does, to me, sound like that was a bit of luck from the police of trying to pursue any other leads. Because actually, if you decide mm-hmm. who you think your suspect is, you probably are always going to find evidence, particularly things mm-hmm. maybe like tyre tracks, because if mm. she was still seeing William, you know, they don't indicate when she was there, do they? Just that she was there. And if, you know, they were having an affair still, then that's completely plausible. So I do think that it is very possible that they decided it was Yvonne um, and then went out of their way to find some evidence. Um, But actually, I think my logical brain says it probably was Yvonne. Do you think that she would then... Obviously, I don't know why I'm saying this like we know her. But, like, obviously, I can totally understand what you're saying. She's in a very stressful situation. Maybe she does want Jane out of the way. That's something that, obviously, everyone can kind of understand, maybe, her thinking that. Mm. But I just don't think that she would 
if she did kill Jane, I just don't understand the whole mimicking uh, sexual assault. I don't think that she would have... Do you know what I mean? If she's doing it in this kind of like fury, this rage, she's and then she's annoyed, and then all of a sudden she, you think that she shot her, and then she was just like, oh, I'm going to quickly tear yeah, her so clothes, I remove her think, underwear. I don't think it was like a fury kill, um, because, right. you know, she didn't just open the front door and start shooting with loads of things. Um, do you know what I mean? Like open fire. If it was a rage kill, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd have one clean shot. I think she'd have kind of stabbed her to death and been angry this seems like a, mm-hmm. a calmer more planned act um and in which case oh, right. so you do think a, it was planned um yeah i do so i think it was planned in the sense of you know this idea came to her how do i get jane out of the way um and i'm not saying that kind of anger wasn't the motive but i think more the motive would have been her getting william back just for herself oh, yeah. and thinking that mm-hmm. i mean don't get me wrong it was a shit plan if it was planned um but then i think that makes a bit more a bit more sense because she needed it to look in a way where she wouldn't go down for it because otherwise she doesn't get william does she well no but would that not just backfire because wouldn't it look like it was william who had done it like done the sexual assault kind of thing do you know what i mean if, it, if it's pointing the whole point of i think mimicking a sexual assault would be to make it look like a guy did this yeah and if but, it's on his property yeah but i, I don't, don't think they'd make i don't think she would think they would think it was william um because i mean it would be a very strange again it has happened but it'd be a strange thing for him to do to you know if it's his wife probably if he was going to assault her i don't know if he'd felt the need to kill her afterwards um yeah so yeah i, I wouldn't have like leapt to thinking it was William. Um, yeah, uh-huh. I think maybe it was just a very, very poorly thought out plan. And and the only then yeah. question you're a little bit left with is why would she not admit to it? But I mm-hmm. suppose if it was that she was in love with William and wanted him back, um, you know, maybe it's him she doesn't want to admit it to. And, and actually as mm-hmm. well, it still changed your life. If you're released from murder for a crime you maintain you didn't commit, then hopefully your nearest and dearest will believe you and trust in you and and welcome you back you know she spoke about spending christmas with her family they clearly support her whereas Mm -hmm. if 10 years in you go actually guys i am a murderer um yeah you still with any chance of getting released you're still going to ruin the rest of your life if you suddenly come clean about what you did so i can kind Mm. of understand a little bit maybe why she would maintain her innocence well of course she is innocent. yeah okay that's interesting yeah no that's that's actually really interesting that's a good point damn it (laughs) (laughs) um so thanks everyone for listening to this episode we hope you enjoyed it and that it's given you something to ponder uh we'll see you on sunday for our next episode but in the meantime you can find us on instagram at infraction.thepod and on facebook and as always we'd love to hear your views yeah i'd be really keen to hear what side of the fence everyone is with this case um i think it's almost possibly the most you know evidence for both sides case we've had so far so please do Mm -hmm. head over to instagram and let us know what you think yeah that'd be great thank you so much guys for listening we'll see you on sunday bye bye